This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined this week by former United striker Phil Marsh to talk over a very eventful week at United. How are you doing, Phil? You all right? Yeah, all good, Wayne. Um, feeling good. Uh, had a busy week in work this week, so a little bit tired tonight, but um, yeah, looking forward to the weekend. Obviously, I've got my football tomorrow and then Looking forward to the Arsenal game on Sunday, so that should be um, you know good weekend packed yeah. for football. <laughs> yeah, and good, good for it as well. And and you know it's been it has been a mixed week for United. Really, we'll start off talking about City because obviously we previewed that previewed it last week. Um, it was a strange one because I guess we were all talking about you know the value of consistency. It made a few changes for Charlton, and then the changes for the team sheet. Um, they, to be honest, they looked quite concerning. Um, when you saw Shaw lining up at centre back, when you saw Fred in midfield, we put in a good performance, a really good performance, one of the best that we've seen under Ten Hag. Um, fantastic display in the second half, I felt, um, especially when once we'd gone behind, because I think that that, that was the thing for me. We saw City take the lead, and then it was kind of like a big question: what are these players made of? You know, they didn't have half time to sort of regroup there to sort of figure it out by themselves. And yes, I know Tenog made the change at half time. He made another one bringing on Garnacho for Ericsson. So it was, a, it was a good change, but the players by and large had to figure it out for themselves. And they did. It was a really strong end to the game. One of those moments where the goosebumps go, you know, like Old Trafford was absolutely rocking, possibly. I've seen it like that for the Ronaldo game um, when he returned against Newcastle and then um, obviously the performance was miles apart, the the one that we put on on Saturday. Um, a lot of controversy around the game as well considering um, Bruno's goal and Rashford being offside. Um, I, I still think that United can say that they fairly deserve the win. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean... Agree with agree with everything you've just said there. I think obviously post match when you see the team lineup, you know you've probably got your you saw sort of reservations about certain players and and how big a bigger game it was. But as you said, I thought you know all the players did really well. Um, I think the first half was a little bit of a. I mean, it was a good game, but I don't think sort of 
anything really got going until the second half. And then, as you say, when we went 1-0 behind, um, you know, there's some changes been made. I think, you know, United shown that character. And after being on such a good run, it was great to see that we, we sort of had that character and the um, the sort of mental strength really to come back, um, you know, in a, in a massive game that I think would have been, you know, if, if we'd have lost that game, that could have been, um, you know, mentally um, and, and sort of, you know, took a lot of energy out of the team. I think, you know, winning that game was massive. And I think, as you just said, it's fair play to the players, the manager, you know, they've all, you know, got that winning uh, mentality now. You can see that there's, you know, no giving up. There's no, you know, heads dropping. I think the crowd was was still, you know, right behind them, even when they went behind. And, you know, it was it was brilliant. And I think, you know, that, that win has sort of, you know, kept us and, and, Obviously, we still are in, in in for the title run. I think we, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, saying I think this year, you know, a top four finish and a trophy would be, you know, a really good um, sort of bit of progress by the manager and, and a stepping stone to the to the right direction we want to be in. But obviously, we find ourselves now in in a in a position where if we can, you know, pick up a result against Arsenal on Sunday, then you know, we're right in the mix and, and you know, with, with the way the team's been playing, you know, we've got really good um, individual players in great form. Um, you know, as I said, the team spirit and the camaraderie seems like it's all there. Everyone who's coming in is doing a job when they've been called upon and, um, yeah, everything seems like it's going well, really, um, at the moment. Obviously, we'll come on to the Palace game in, in probably a little while, I think, obviously, that was a, a bit of a setback the other night, but I, w- I wouldn't get too disheartened and disappointed about that. I think, you know, as I said, the club's in a far better place at this moment in time. And yeah, that City game w- was was um, brilliant for, for everyone involved with the club. I think it's, it's you know, a, a marker of where, how far we've come in, in such, a, such a short space of time, really. Yeah. Um, Dave says, good evening, boys. Good to see you both. Good evening, Dave. Oh, good afternoon for you. Hope you're all right, mate. Um, good morning, even. Is it eight? Eight hours, yeah. So it's still morning for Debo. Um, what's your take on the Rashford, uh, the Bruno goal? Then, because everyone's talking about it. The one thing that I, I guess the thing that I don't think I've really seen discussed is this conversation that they're talking about with Edison and Akanji. So they've Akanji's, you know, his run is one thing, and you know whether or not he would have run faster or slower if Rashford had not been there. Or whether he's, you know, whatever. I, I think that's a, a, a false argument because if you're saying Rashford's not there, then there's another player there. There's ten players on the pitch, you know, and the ball's still moving and Bruno's still running. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a, it's a bit of a difficult argument that. But the, the one about Edison's positioning is a bit funny because this everyone's saying he doesn't know who to set himself up for. And that always reminds me of the Fabian Bartes incident where he puts his hand up for Paulo Di Canio. The point is that he's got to be playing to the whistle. And if he thought, if everybody thought that Rashford was offside, as he was, then he shouldn't have been trying to play funny beggars with the referee and prepare for Rashford because the point is he needs to be preparing for Bruno because Bruno was definitely, nobody thought he was offside. The the ball was still in play. The ball was still running. What what did you mean? I mean, you're a forward. You're in a position where I guess you probably favour where the attacking, where the offside for attackers is beneficial for the attackers like it has been the interpretation and there has been a lot of talk about this one what where did i let, let's be frank about it if that was given against us we'd be furious yeah, exactly but, um, but yeah go on what did, yeah. what did you no it, exactly that i think you know obviously from a man city perspective you know you, 
you know, getting that goal given against you, you're going to be raging, you're going to be saying, you know, what's going on. Um, but, you know, them kind of decisions over the course of the season, you know, some will go for you, some won't. I think, you know, we've, we've, we've seen that um, in every other game, really. There's been decisions where it's been, you know, VAR and people aren't quite sure and is it or isn't it? And I think that's just where we are at this moment in time with, with, um, with the game. And for me, obviously, from my perspective as a striker, I thought Rashford did brilliant because, you know, you've got a tendency sometimes as a centre-forward, regardless of whether you think you're onside or offside, is, you know, when you threw on goal, your first thought is, right, how can I score and, and where am I going to put this ball? And I think what he really did, what was was brilliant, was as he ran through, I think he's, he's, he's realised just before he was about to maybe make his decision on where he was going to put the ball that, oh, hang on a minute, I am offside and, and Bruno's obviously coming in and he's got an opportunity to score it. So by leaving the ball and not actually making an attempt to sort of strike the ball, I think that is probably why um, the, the, the goal's been given. Because I think if he does actually make the movement with his leg and, and swings at it and, and then pulls his leg away, I think that's obviously then going to be deemed as, yeah, you're interfering because Edison probably makes a, a movement or a gesture that, you know, he's, he's going to go the way of where he thought Rashford was going to go. So it's one of them. As I said, I think, you know, from, from a City perspective, you're going to be not happy about it. But I think, you know, there's decisions that get made all the time where, you know, clubs are getting, you know, points took off them because it's a wrong decision or a controversial decision. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, you might get one in your favour. And I think, yeah, I think, to be honest, we, we've more than deserved that little bit of a, the rub of the green in that performance. Um, because, as you said, second half, I think, you know, the players did, you know, everything they could to get the three points and, and fully deserved, in my opinion, that we, we got that win. Yeah, um, Dave says 100% I'd be fuming if that was scored against us, but we don't make the rules. And as a current letter of the law stands, well, that's on side. It's only news because it's United. I, and I think that's a fair point as well. I mean, the point is the law is an ass. And, you know, if we've had some dodgy offsides go for us. And I think the the thing is, like, these kind of things, like VAR, was supposed to take these kind of arguments out of the game. And they, they haven't really, because no. it's still still subjective. He's still arguing the toss over certain things. That was always my um, apprehension with it. Do you know what I mean? That you, you're not eliminating arguments. You're just creating new arguments. And, um, and I think, Wayne, as well, just, just on that, obviously, since that goal happened we've we've seen on social media there's been loads of goals with similar sort of you know things happening where players have, have you know had a ball played through to him they've sort of gone towards as though they were going to do it and then left it someone else from an onside positions ran through and scored and it's it's not the first time that it's happened and it's not going to be the last i'm sure but as you say you know it, it's one of them if you get it given for you, you you're made up and you know if it's against you you're obviously not going to be happy because it's you know, it's one of them grey areas, really, what needs sort of uh, ironing out, as there's yeah. a few at the moment with the VAR system. Dave says Rashford should be getting high praise for the role. He's rolling the goal, like Phil said. He knew he couldn't touch it. Um, and it brings us on to Palace, really, because... Um, and I was talking about this on the podcast I do with Ed, um, the No Question About That podcast. Um, and we were talking about the referees carrying decisions into next game into the next game and how they're influenced by what's going on in the media. And you couldn't help but notice that there was four days constant saturation of the stupid 
incessant nonsense about this decision. It never stopped. And United playing Palace, um, they score a goal through a good passage of play that didn't look like it belonged in that half of football. And it, it was really nice, really incisive. I mean, don't get me wrong, United did play some pretty passages in the first half, but nothing like that It came out of the blue, really, the goal. And then the second half, it was a bit flat. Looks like we're going to get a penalty. Oh, I should say that. It looks like we should get a penalty. And the referee's just instantly waving it away. He's not even going to look at VAR. VAR on, asking him to come and have a look at it. And like I say, they don't think it's clear and obvious. Um, and then United don't really push for that second goal. They don't look to kill the game off. Casemiro gets a yellow card with 10 minutes to go. And then um, if you are a fatalist, if you're going to look at the um, <laughs> some of the reaction, it's like the whole world fell apart in 10 minutes. Casemiro gets a yellow card. United concede a free kick that well, was slightly generous for Palace to get the free kick in the first place from Luke Shaw. But a great strike, um, perfect strike. In fact, um, in off the crossbar, De Gea made a couple of great saves earlier. Can do nothing for that. It's so good. And it earns Palace a draw. United come and react in the last couple of minutes of extra t- injury time. But even though Casemiro has that chance, um, he doesn't score. So I, I was saying about Charlton and the changes, uh, Phil. So he makes such a, he makes the changes against Charlton, rings them like eight, I think it's eight first teamers out, and he keeps three in. And then against City, he makes a couple of big decisions that are unfamiliar that we wouldn't expect. And then against Palace, when you were probably thinking he might wrap a couple of players up in cotton wool, he goes with the strongest side. Um, and then Casemiro gets booked. It looks like he's a bit angry because Bruno sort of lost the ball or he shirked the tackle a little bit. So Bruno, uh, Casemiro's gone into this angry tackle and um, gets a yellow card for it, which at first glance I thought could be a red, but I think probably a yellow is about right. Um, and then, yeah, obviously they score. It looks like a terrible result. I mean, we don't lose the game and it's still nine wins in a draw. But I guess it's one of those where, in, especially in the sort of like 10, 15 minutes or a couple of hours after the game or even the day after, really, it still felt like it's like a bit of a defeat. Um, I guess I'll start with the lineup. Um, starting Casemiro, obviously, a bit of a gamble. It was always going to be, but United aren't really in a position where they can afford to rotate in any Premier League game, really. We saw last season that McTominay and Fred have just, and I'm not, you know, they've got the qualities, but together they're not a midfield capable of dominating the the possession or the tempo of any Premier League game. So I can see, I can see why he played him. Uh, do you think that he took a risk that he shouldn't have? Yeah, I think it's it's quite easy now in hindsight to sort of criticise the manager uh, because obviously what happened with, with the yellow card and then obviously conceding that goal, but I think in the manager's thought process, he's probably thinking, you know, let's start the strongest team. Let's get, you know, one or two goals up and then, you know, we can make a few changes in the second half when the game's wrapped up. Um, Obviously, I I didn't watch the game on Wednesday. I had training, but I obviously watched the extended highlights. And as you say, I think the first half, there wasn't really much going on. Um, Obviously, we we scored that goal, um, which was a great goal by Bruno. and then obviously yeah, into the second half, uh, I think, you know, we, we sort of puffed and puffed, didn't really create anything. And then, you know, that penalty uh, claim, if, if that's given, 
Um, and, and, you know, we put that in the back of the net. The game goes to 2-0. I think that's the exact moment that the, the manager makes the change and takes Casemiro off. Um, the game's sort of wrapped up. You can you can wrap a few players in cotton wool and, and save them ready for Arsenal. But because that's not given and the game's still sort of, um, you know, in the balance, I think he's, he's kept the players on to try and, you know, get that second goal. And as you say, I think Casemiro's that kind of player where, you know, he's took one for the team there really by, you know, not letting Zaha go through and potentially, you know, driving into the box. Um and unfortunately, yeah, it, it was a definite yellow card. You know, there's no question about that. Um, but it's obviously a massive blow now that he's not going to be involved on Sunday because I think that midfield um, is, is probably going to be where the game's won and lost. I think, you know, Arsenal's midfield at the minute is probably, you know, one of the best in, in the league, if not Europe. I think, you know, Odegaard and, and Partey especially, um, you know, two players in really good form. So it's obviously a massive blow for us that we're not going to have Casemiro in that game. But, you know, we beat him at Old Trafford without Casemiro, so it has been done. Um, and obviously, you know, that that late goal with, with Elise putting it in the top corner uh, off the crossbar is like a sort of double whammy. I said that to you before we sort of come on here, that, you know, that was like a double sort of uh, kick in the teeth with, with, you know, losing Casemiro and then that, you know, two points being dropped with the last kick of the game effectively. But... Again, as you say, 10 games unbeaten. We're in a, we're in a good run of games. Obviously, you know, we're, we've got a lot of uh, winnable games coming up and you've just got to keep, you know, trusting in the process. I think the managers, you know, made massive progress with the team. The players all seem to be, you know, gelling and, and bonding and, and we're playing a lot better football than we have been previously. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, as I say, you know, Sunday's a massive game. If, if we can win that game, then you know, that definitely puts the cat among the pigeons. And I think it, it, it could be, you know, a result which defines the rest of the season, really. I think if we can get a positive one, I think, you know, that's that's what we need to be aiming for. And as I say, we're the only team that's beat Arsenal this year. So let's try and make it a double. And we've done quite well, you know, at Arsenal um, over the years. So, you know, it's it's not somewhere that we, we don't enjoy going. I think it's it's a game that we all should be looking forward to, really. Yeah, Um We've got a good record there. Um, I would. It's probably a couple of years since we got a win. I don't. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I didn't mean in recent years, but you know, over over the yeah. course, of, you know, the Premier League, I think we've we've done quite well. Yeah. And, no, yeah. Away at Arsenal, so you know, yeah, let's, let's go. It's another. Um, Nikos says evening. Oh, Robbie says hello, lads. Up as well. Evening, Robbie. Hope you're doing all right. Um, Dave has a question for you, Phil. Wambasaka, is he now our first choice right back? The guy has been unreal since he got back into the team. His forward play has also improved tenfold since a year ago. Um, I must admit, little, I'm not as enthusiastic about Dave with his forward play, but defensively, he's been absolutely rock solid and, and obviously game saving tackle at the end um, awesome. against against Sahar. What do you make of this resurgence? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with Dave. I think at this moment in time, he's definitely our first choice right back. Um, I think he's de definitely been working on the training ground on on a lot of things. I think he's came back and, you know, to be fair to the lad, he's, he's had a lot of criticism. You know, there's, there's been a lot of talk of him being moved on after a big money move. And, you know, he, he didn't quite, you know, get that opportunity when, when Dallow sort of was in the team because of, you know, he's, he's maybe not as good going forward, which I, I get, but, for me, I think since he's came back, he's he's looked like a different player. You know, defensively, he's, there's probably not much, uh, not many better for me in in terms of one v one defending 
um, in in the league, if not the world. I think he's he's that good at the, the sort of one v one defending and not letting that player get past him and get across him. Um, yeah, he still needs to work on you know going forward and other little parts of his game. But for me, at this moment in time, he's doing everything um, that he needs to to keep that position because. Um, even you know some of the the stuff against City, um, you know when he was just beating a few players and just keeping the ball in tight situations. You know, as a Man United player, sometimes you get put in them awkward positions and situations. You've got to be able to, you know, deal with that. And and to be fair, he's he's looked really good. Um, and his attitude, you can't fault him. He's, he doesn't look like he's sort of, you know, been mourning and and you know not putting the effort in in training. So. Give, give him a run of games and let's see how he gets on. But for me, he's, he's definitely deserving of his shirt at this moment in time. Yeah, um, you would say the last couple of games, or I would, his last couple of games probably been his best for the club, been out, outstanding, especially against City. Um, that little dribble that he did where he went past yeah. four or five players, that I think that was the ignition, wasn't it? He really turned the crowd up and um, and got the team sort of, the, the airs on the back of the next to the team was uh, was great as well. Um, Robbie's got a good question and I, we're coming into Arsenal now anyway so it's a good um, topic to start with with the Arsenal game he says he's really looking forward to Sunday well at least one of us is because I don't know if I'm, I'm looking forward to it as much it's a great feeling not dreading the game anymore now I definitely agree with that um, he says it's a big call in midfield what is your thinking um, that is the, this is the big one isn't it Phil like what what is he going to do with that combination and I mean, the obvious the obvious answer is that he's going to play McTominay or Fred. But, and, and as Nick Nicholas says, McFred back on Sunday. I mean, the thing is with Ten Hag, he doesn't do the obvious. Well, I don't think he always does the obvious so far. So you might even see a bit of a surprise in there. Yeah, I mean, it's one of them. You could go back to the McFred, he could play one. Um, but as you say, with this manager at the moment, you, you know, he's, he's sort of... Um, keeping us all on our toes with the team selections. So it's going to be an interesting one to see what he goes with. Um, for me personally, I think Fred on um, the City game was 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 brilliant. So for me, he'd probably get the, the nod, maybe just slightly ahead of McTominay at this moment in time. But yeah, it's anyone's guess really with, with, with that one, because as you say, the manager's sort of um, chopped and changed and, and maybe played players when he wasn't expecting it at certain times. Um, so again, you know that that'll be um, an interesting one to keep an eye on, really, because I think, as I say, that's that's going to be the where the games won and lost for me in that in that midfield, um, because the, the the form players for Arsenal certainly are, are sort of in that middle part of the pitch, as well as you know uh, Saka. I think you know Odegaard and Party have been integral really for their success in in you know the last couple of months. Yeah. yeah. Um... Nikos says Bruno on the right. Robbie says Martinez in midfield, which is a big call. And Dave, Dave says Phil Jones, obviously. Well, he, he has yet to have his game of the season. So, and, and when he does play, he normally plays very well. Um, Patrick says, evening, evening, Patrick. Normally joins us on Monday morning. So, it's good to see you, mate. Um, he says, evening, guys. The surprising midfield could be Lissandro Martinez. You read it here first. And uh, Nikos says Martinez never he's never played for us there, which is a good point um, because he hasn't. And uh, the, I I mentioned it in the midweek at some point just because I thought Shaw's played so well at centre back and Molassi has played so well at left back lately that it frees up that kind of area 
obviously Martinez you would expect to play. I, I guess the alternate way of looking at that is they could play a five-man defence, you know, with Shaw and Martinez in there and sort of pack out the midfield with um, with, with with McTominay or with Eriksson. Um, and, and like Dave says, yeah, he's Tenog has stated in the past that Martinez is not suited to that position. Can't see it happening. What, what do you reckon? Are you going to, if you're picking a team, are you putting Martinez, are you, first of all, you're picking him in there. Where are you picking him? Are you going to put him right back in the heart of defence? I don't know. Because obviously Luke Shaw's been doing so well and he, he obviously played him against City and, and you know, was was magnificent that day against Haaland, which, you know, everyone would have been looking at that as a potential mismatch. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. As I say, I think Luke Shaw's, at this moment in time, he, he's undroppable. So whether he's playing at centre-half or he's playing at left-back, um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think he's got a couple of big decisions. As you say, that that one with the Martinez there, does he play him in midfield? Does he play him at centre-half? Is Luke Shaw going to play at centre-half or is he going to play at left-back? Do you put in Fred? Do you put in McTominay or both? I think he's got a lot of... Because of that Casemiro booking, I think he's been now forced into maybe a, a real headache of who players were and, and trying to sort of, you know, fill the jigsaw before Sunday because we've got that many good players at the moment. He probably feels as though he doesn't want to leave, um, you know, likes of Martinez out the team. But, you know, at the detriment of, of you know, maybe you know certain styles and formations so we'll just have to see it i mean i don't envy him to be honest i think you know he's got a difficult uh decision to be made there with with the team selection for sunday yeah it's not just that it's the front line as well i mean anthony has been a bit honk he was good against city when he came on i thought but um a little bit a little bit flat against palace after a decent start um rashford obviously is in good form despite the fact they didn't necessarily play brilliantly against um, against Palace, and then you've got um, Val Veghorst, who you know, he was How did he the other day, because obviously on the highlights, I didn't really get a proper reflection of uh, you yeah. know Quiet, I would say quiet, I mean, guys put in the comments how you thought Veghorst did against Palace, um, and I'll put some comments up, um, but I thought he was quiet, he had one good chance when Shaw crossed it, and I say good chance, I think he fashioned that chance you know, it was a chance yeah. that only he could have, you know, because of his height, he did quite well with it. And if it was Martial, for example, I don't think he would have done well. But then you compare it to Martial against City because he was very poor for that first half. And then obviously Anthony came on, um, Garnacho came on, and you know, it's I, I I look at it and I, th I wonder if it's is possibly a better option from the bench. I don't know if if the midfield conundrum. At, against Arsenal I'm talking about against Arsenal at the weekend that you pack out that midfield or that you pack out the defense and you say two up top you know um Rashford and I a another whether that's Bruno from wide or whether it's Garnacho supporting and then you know like try and win the game in those areas um but yeah I thought he was quiet um he, he came deep a lot he was joining in the play and, and those kind of things he was tidy um, I don't think United were looking for him for crosses, you know, like sometimes you do with a, a taller striker. Yeah. And um, I don't know, it was it was one of those difficult ones to, to call. What did you make of him from what you saw from the highlights? Yeah, as I say, I mean, from what I've seen in the highlights, he had a, he had a couple of nice little layoffs and stuff. He looked like he, you know, held it up at times quite well. But 
Um, you know, with it being his first game, it's going to be difficult to come into to, to the team and sort of hit the ground running straight away with, you know, not having much training and not really knowing the, the sort of, um, you know, the players and the way they sort of play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he looked okay. I think, as we, as we probably all know, I think it's, it's a short-term fix. I don't think moving forward in terms of getting to where we want to be um, and, and consistently challenging for trophies, he's going to be the answer. But... You know, for for a short term, maybe till the end of the season, this this you know having this sort of different um, player who's got different attributes and can and maybe offer something a little bit different will will sort of come in handy in, in certain games. Yeah. Um, last one for tonight. A bit of a shorter pod. Um, obviously, United going to Arsenal and everyone's talking about a title race. I still think it's a little bit premature because. Arsenal playing their 19th game of the season, so that's halfway through. We're on 20, so we're just a little bit um, over the hill in that regards. And it's like six points. It could be three points. You know, it could be more than that. And we've seen, you know, 20, 22, 23 games where there's been gaps of 12. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, I still, I still look at it and I think we're ahead of schedule i'm not if we're not in a title race this season i'm not going to be too critical so yeah all right if we lose on on sunday i'll be upset but at the same time i'm, I'm looking at thinking well we're ahead of where i thought we were going to be we've still got an, we've got an identity which i didn't think that we would have we've got um, a manager who's clearly got control and i wasn't completely um convinced that we would get that you know I, that the manager would be allowed that but he's there he's got a style he's got a shape he's got control the team are playing well the players who we thought last season would not have the character to respond have by and large shown that they do you know we, we can say McTominay initially did when Casemiro was signed because he played well Fred's definitely played well in his cameos um we haven't seen enough of Maguire um, because, because obviously it looks like he's been integrated out of the side. Luke Shaw has definitely stu- stepped up. Dalloz, Juan Basakras. So all of the things that I would have wanted Tenog to do, probably thinking over his first season, he's probably achieved in the first six months. Don't get me wrong. Yes, you know time is not finite. You know you've got to yeah infinite. I should say time is not infinite. You don't get every season to try and rebuild and challenge for a title so you've got to take the chances while they while they're there i just think until you're like 30 games into a season it's not technically a title race and i'd be while well, i want us to be in it phil that's what I, I want us to be in it but i look at it and think i don't want to be criticizing him for not being in a title race when when we're ahead of what i thought we were going to be um what what do you make of it at the start of it no, I, I totally agree with what you just said there, Wayne. I think, you know, this season for me, I always said top four and, and a trophy would be massive progress and would be an ideal scenario. I think because we find ourselves, you know, in um, a really good position, I think naturally as a fan, you're going to get a little bit carried away and, and maybe think, you know, we're in a title race and, and you know, and we are in a title race, don't get me wrong. But um, as you just said, if we lose a couple of games and we maybe you know fall off a little bit and other teams start to get a bit of a lead but we stay in that you know third fourth position i think as you've just said we've made massive progress this year players as a, as a group have all you know pulled together after a lot of 
you know, hard times and, and things that have been going on with the Ronaldo saga and all that kind of stuff and the start of the season we had, especially with them two uh, losses. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, the squad uh, looks really healthy at this moment in time. We've got a lot of uh, competition for places, uh, which is great, which is always, you know, what you need for a successful side. Um, I think, obviously, I've mentioned this a few times now, we're, we're not far off having a really, really good side that can compete for me in terms of, you know, next season, if we can get a number nine, you know, a Harry Kane or someone like that, that Oshiman's been mentioned, you know, if we can get someone like that in, then for me, you look at our starting 11 and, you know, it, 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 it's up there with, with the best and with the players that we've got, obviously, to come off the bench and the squad rotation that we've got now, um, I'm really happy with the progress that's been made. Um and yeah, if we can get a result against Arsenal and and keep them, um, you know, the winning run going and and see where that takes us, amazing. But if not, and we do maybe have a couple of you know bad results and and things don't you know go quite to plan, but we can still finish in that top four. You know, fans need to sort of just have a little rethink to where we was sort of you know 12, 18 months ago and and see how much progress we've made in in such a short amount of time and. You know, the manager's been fantastic with all these big decisions he's had to make with players and decisions and, you know, all that. And I think he's dealt with all that magnificently. Um, and for me, you know, he's the man to take us forward and, and back to sort of the glory days in the coming years. Because if he's made that much progress in this amount of time, you know, imagine hopefully where, where we might be in, you know, a couple of years' time. Yeah. Robbie says top four for us this year in a cup and I'll be delighted. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably my estimation of what I, I would hope for. Um, I, I say hope for. I, I'm hoping for a title, but I think I, I'd be. I think that's a really strong first season, and, and I think everything you've just said there about um, Ten Hag's uh, what he's done in this first season. I think it's been really challenging for him, when you know when you when you actually think of all the stuff he's had to you know deal with in terms of you know the 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 start to the season with you know losing them two games, especially the 4-0 defeat at Brentford was like, you know, felt like rock bottom. And then, yeah. you know, turn that around. And then obviously the, the Ronaldo saga and, you know, other other little bits and stuff that he's had to deal with. And, you know, the, the way he's dealt with it and the way he's kept to his word, he's not been bothered, you know, by reputations or egos or, you know, who, who some of these so-called big players are. He's, he's, he's stuck to his guns. And I think that's been... You know, a breath of fresh air, really, and what the club's needed for for a long time, um, and it's set the, the the marker down now that every single player knows, regardless of who you are, what you are, what you stand for. This is what we're about. This is the rules. If you break the rules, yeah, there's your your, your punishments, and that's that's how we go. And I think every successful team. I mean, when I was there, obviously, I, I was there under one of the best managers, if not the best in the world. He had, you know, every single player. Uh, knew exactly what was expected. You know, he yeah. had the utmost respect from everybody because he treated everyone with the the same amount of respect, regardless of who you are. And you know, when when you've got a club that's running that particular way, um, you know, everything falls into place, and every everyone you know is is singing off the same hymn sheet. And that's exactly what we're seeing now with Ten Hag. Yeah, I I think the biggest thing for me is that most of the problems that he, he resolved came after the, just two defeats just two defeats when you look at other managers and even Fergie like obviously you can say that there were different problems but 
to to resolve as much as he did after two games to just go yes you know like because if you if you said that those two first game uh, two the two first games were wins then we are right in it we're right at the top challenging you know and that's a testament it is a testament to a manager because everyone was saying we've had these conversations on last season's podcast they can and you know viewers can check them out and I, I think that they were indicative of the mood of the time you could have made sweeping changes in that dressing room get every single player out and I don't think people would have been complaining because of how low everybody felt at the time I mean people liked Rashford people liked Bruno people liked De Gea but it was kind of like, well, if, if the broom needs to sweep everybody out, then so be it, because it felt that rotten. So for Tenog to do what he's done is is miracle working. It really is miracle working. It is, and, and I think just on that as well, Wayne, when you when you look at the, the modern day game, obviously it's changed a lot since since you know my day when I was at the club, but the amount of power that the players have nowadays, so for the manager to be able to, you know, have such a big impact and and make such a massive sort of statement with you know what he's done with certain individuals then you know that that for me has, has took a lot of guts and a lot yeah. of um you know sort of you know cojones if you like from him to to sort of be that way because a lot of managers in in this modern day are, are scared of uh you know upsetting you know players and, and ruffling feathers because you know, there's such big commodities and, and you know, the, the egos that we carry, it, it, it's a difficult situation. I think he's he's done magnificent and probably doesn't get enough credit really for, you know, just the amount of um, sort of turnaround and, and change he's made um, in, in, as you said, such a short time because, you know, he, he's got a, a really, really difficult job with keeping all the players happy. You know, obviously players when they're not in the team, when they're not selected, mm-hmm. when they're injured, you know, it's not the best place um, and, and it's a difficult situation for a manager. And I think by all accounts, you know, all, all the players look like they're in a good place. They all look sort of as though they're, they're buying into what he's, he's saying and, you know, he's, he's, he's done a really good job. And, and, and you know, it would be a, a, a sort of cherry on the top of the cake this year if he does get a trophy because I think that's, as I said in, in previous podcasts, you know, I think if this team under this manager gets a taste for success and, and a and a trophy um this season, then that that could be infectious and carry us through into, you know, some some really good years ahead. Yeah. Uh, Richard says if we get past Barcelona, we'll win the Europa League no matter what happens in the league and it's a bold call for sure. Um just a couple of comments that I'll come to before we we close off. Um Dave says Ollie won eight and drew ten of his first ten games. Uh, drew two of his first 10 games, which is nearly identical to 10 Hag's last 10, but it just feels different. This team seems to want to play as a team. No disrespect to Ole, but it does. And Patrick makes a similar comment. We've been having a running debate about whether we were in a title race in 2021 when Ole finished second. I seem to recall we were top for about two weeks maximum, and that was in January. I can remember that. Um, I can um and we were sort of like everyone was saying, if we buy a striker, then we've got a good chance. Or if we buy another defender, we've got a chance. And then I think, was it Mourinho in January? One time we were second and we were kind of looking like we might push for it and we we, we dripped off. And and I think that's, these are the calls, aren't they, really? That um, United, that's how close, how, or I say how close or how far away United have actually been challenging for a title. That There's been the hint, 
hint that it could happen in a January, but they never kicked on from there. And um, well, I guess I guess we're waiting to see on on Sunday whether we are in one or not. But um, the point remains, I think, as you and I have just said quite emphatically, that Ten Hag is doing a great job regardless. And I know a lot of people, let's say if we lose on Sunday, people will use that as an indication to say that's the difference between Arteta and Ten Hag. But I think the difference between Arteta and Ten Hag is that A, Arteta's had a lot longer in position and B, it took him a lot longer than two games to sort out the issues that were at the club and he had nowhere near the amount of um, high-profile nonsense. And I know there was some stuff with Aubameyang, but that was nowhere near as high-profile as the Ronaldo stuff. So, uh, win or lose or draw, I still think everyone should be assured that we're moving in the right direction under Ten Hag and Sunday's result doesn't change that. However, a win probably changes how good we feel about <laughs> the optimism for the second half of the season. Um, hopefully, Lee will be with us next week to talk about it. Um, me and Phil will hopefully be back as well and I will be back on Monday morning with Paul Parker to talk about the result. Hopefully it's a good one to um, to to kick the week off as well, which uh, next week is going to be another big week for United with a semi final. Um, good big good to have some positive big weeks at United for a change um, after sort of a period of drifting. Um, having said that, Oli got some semi finals. Let's not be too unfair to him. We have had semi finals and finals. It just feels a little bit different this time, as we all know. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook. Feel free to like, please, um, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you're watching the replay, say hello in the comments. We still reply to comments on the replays. If you're listening back on the audio podcast as well, please give us a review and subscribe on the platform you're listening on. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great weekend, guys, and uh, come on, United. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.